Looking to expand your playlist? Well, Fat Lulz Radio has got you covered. Your nerd culture get dissected on the Fickle Fanboy with RPM. Get your fill of uncensored talk radio with the Robin Slim Show. Hear funny and interesting interviews on Unseriously Serious. Get the best life advice from Jerry and Cal on From the Bottom. Delve into the dark side of the internet with What the Fuck with Dan and Jess. Go across the pond for some British humor with the Ped and Meller Show. And if you're looking to get involved, air your grievances with all things nerdy on the League of Infuriated Nerds. All these shows and more await you at Fat Lulz Radio. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can find our shows on all different types of podcasts apps as well as iTunes. Be sure to check us out. Fat Lowell's Radio. Stuff full of entertainment. You're listening to The Fickle Fanboy. Brought to you by Fat Lowell's Radio. Happy 4th of July, and welcome to the Fickle Fanboy. How you doing? Because I'm doing just peachy. Because today, I'm going to throw out another episode of the good, the bad, and the fugly. And I have to admit, uh, up until... Just shortly before hitting the record button, I was kind of torn as to who to cover. But when it got right down to it, there was only one great choice. And that's why today I give you the good, the bad, and the fugly. The Gotham City Sirens. Because any one particular individual within that group, you can just have at it with. I mean, they have so many different characters that you can play around with that are associated with any of them. I mean, you have uh, Catwoman's fun with Penguin off and on. You have 
Joker, of course, and anyone that that nut job has ever done business with. And <laughs> with Poison Ivy, you have... Well, with Harley Quinn, you still have the Joker. So, I mean, you win no matter who you focus on. But, uh, no, no, no. Don't focus on any one individual within the group. They've got to be a team. At least in my head. Because this, this is not just a, a one-and-done fun ride that I'm going to take you on. No, no, no. And uh, un unlike what most of you would do, it's not just a portal to a solo flick for any of the three girls. No, <laughs> what I'm imagining is a much bigger picture here. Both within just the one movie and after. And that's why I think that when it comes to the villain, the, the main villain, you gotta go with Clayface. And I know that there are other more obvious choices, but obvious is not always the best way to go. Because many villains have taken up the mantle of Clayface. But if you were gonna do him, and do him right on film, as is so well-deserved, and as so many fans want to happen, there's only one right answer. And no matter what anybody else says, it's not Basil Corlo. And that might piss a lot of people off, but it's it's just not, okay? Just deal with it. Get over it. Because if you ask me, and if you're listening to this episode, chances are you did. But if you ask me, there's only one adaptation one version of the character that can be done perfectly you leave Basil on the sidelines and you go straight for Todd Russell the seventh Clayface cause as I said there's been a lot of them and I know that's probably going to weird people out that uh, I didn't go straight for Carlo. But no. Mr. Russell is hands above Carlo in, in so many ways. And he's a hell of a lot more interesting. Because if you're not familiar with him, Todd Russell is a army vet who suffered serious injuries and was used as a guinea pig in 
some secret genetic experiment that erased his memories and gave him powers identical to that of Clayface. Because last I heard, they, they were at least tossing around the idea of such a movie. And, I mean, you already have the perfect Harley Quinn out there. All they would have to do is give us at least somewhat interesting Poison Ivy, and bam, there you have it. Because the reason I think that we, we should go with Gotham City Siren rather than your every-damn-day Batman and Robin. Doesn't really have to do with the sirens as a whole, but has to do with at least one of their members and the story that could be told between she and Todd. Because... One of the things that I like about Todd is the fact that after he's discharged and forgotten about, he kind of goes nuts, much like Victor Zaz when we covered him. And he, he preys on prostitutes in Gotham's East End. And right there... I think we hit the ground running. Because what I'm seeing this as is a cross between Along Came a Spider and the the show Criminal Minds with some aspects of Mission Impossible thrown in there. And I'll explain myself with that one in a second, okay? He looks for companionship amongst these ladies of the night. But <laughs> because of his unstable abilities, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think we should turn him into a big old glob uh, like Clayface is really known to be. No, no, no. He, he is deformed in some way, but uh, let's just take that and toss it, okay? But because of however these highly classified experiments affected his body, uh, <laughs> well, he's always, somehow or another, rejected by these women even after they take his money. So, ouch. And that causes him to explode into a violent rage. And the first time, yeah, yeah, it, it was an accident. Even the second time. But not so much the 18th or 19th time, because hell. Then he starts to enjoy it a little. And 
Th that's when he starts to show up on the GCPD's radar. Right about that time. But at first, nobody knows what the fuck he looks like. Because they have pictures of him and uh, video, but he never looks the same way more than once. And right there, that's what I mean by a element of Mission Impossible. Because in the first one, and uh, well, it could be in the others, I don't know because I haven't seen them because I just don't want to, but there's a moment where Tom Cruise gets all done up in makeup to go into some covert mission and go undetected. And, yeah, he, he gets in, gets out, and gets on. But I say we take that and mold it just a little bit. No pun intended. Because, yeah, I, I think that in, instead of making him some sort of sci-fi shapeshifter, you, you make him a master of disguise. And, and this is something that he learned while in the service. Because he wasn't just your everyday Private Ryan. He was part of a special ops group. And it was then and there that he, he learned how to go anywhere and do anything and do so undetected. A, a master of disguise, if you will. Think face from 18 and add all sorts of special effects masks to him. There you have it. And, yeah, at first, he's just being hunted by the GCPD. And, uh, I, I don't know, you can come up with some reason that Batman's indisposed and nowhere to be found. But, yeah, for some reason, they can't call on him. So, about the time that he kills one Holly Robinson, that's when they come to the Sirens of Gotham. Because anyone even slightly familiar with Catwoman and the comics knows that Holly Robinson was, at one point or another, either a friend or a protege of Selina Kyle. But <laughs> at this point, no. Unlike the comics, they don't save Holly. No, 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 no. They only come in and, and uh, start to hunt him after he's killed Miss Robinson. And... I think that that would just be a great way to 
start the whole damn thing. Because I see this plan out like a whodunit murder mystery. We watched them piece together all sorts of shit. As we only see Todd, well, let's just say the top of the third act. Up until that point, we've only seen him from the back or on a computer screen or TV screen or... We've seen him, or at least his hand, tossing a mask here and there. But, yeah, we we don't actually see his face until towards the end of the movie. Like I said, the first, first five minutes of the third act, or the last five of the second act. So that much of the movie is spent in suspense just as much as the sirens are in suspense. And I I think that as they get closer, you even see him hunting them. They're trying to find him, and yet only we know that for for the last half of the movie, he's hunting them just as much as they're hunting him. And by him hunting them, I mean that you see them away from their night jobs in the light of day. And as you get to know them as real people, you see them all sort of fall in love with different men as the man seduces them and kind of makes them dance a little bit like a puppet on a string. But only problem is it's not three different men that they're falling in love with. It's one, and he knows who they are, but they have no idea who who they're dealing with and who they're sleeping with is really Todd Russell. And it's not until the very end when he makes his move to try and do in the ninth life of Catwoman. And the other two can't get a hold of her. And they scramble to try and get there in time to save her. That he really lets his last card be put right there on the table. And takes off whatever mask he's wearing at the time shows more than his true colors because we finally see his face because up until now up until then anyway it was basically that shot of the back of ledger at the start of dark night 
and it just continues on and on and on until his unveiling. And as far as who could play in the movie, as strange as it sounds, as far as the wonderful Poison Ivy, well, that, that's a toughie right there. Well, I mean, there's always someone like Tyra Banks. But, you know, I think that you have to find someone with fairly strong features. So, yeah, we'll go with her. And as far as Catwoman goes, uh, all I know is not Halle Berry. I'm going to try and fight off the want and need for more of Anne Hathaway. And I'm going to go in a slightly different direction with Carrie Washington. Because I think that really... She could play a pretty damned good Catwoman. And if you don't like that, how about Scarlet Joe? And if that doesn't calm your ass down, J-Lo. And if you can't find your pick within those three, piss off. But as far as our villain, well, I I think that we could go with Willem Dafoe or Dennis Leary. And I know that I haven't given many options and ideas as far as the overall story but uh, it's it's more about the feel of it in this go around because i i think that uh it's 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 not so much a one-off in this case no no in this one much like when I tried to figure out how you could do Section 8 on screen, I, I think that this has to lead into something bigger. And I think that that really happens once he's captured. Because once he goes and gets apprehended, they toss his ass to the GCPD. And we see the court proceedings. And right there, that could be one of our options as far as the bigger picture. Because we could see him getting prosecuted by good old Harvey Dent. And as far as who could play Harvey? 
Thomas Jane or Javier Bardem. Although, although I, I will say that it wouldn't break my heart if you didn't use Dennis Leary for Clayface. You could use him as the next Two-Face. I'll give you that. But only because I'm in a good mood. So, yeah. You see him getting prosecuted. And you see him getting sentenced to life without parole. And tossed in Blackgate. But then you see him get smuggled out of Blackgate and into either... You, you've got two options here. Because in the comics, he, he gets put into Star Labs for further experimentation. And at, at that point, you could really uh, introduce Hugo Strange. And it, it doesn't have to be Star, because I know that technically Hugo Strange didn't work for them, but he gets either smuggled into Star Labs, hell, make it Barry Allen's laboratory, because the, the only way to do The Flash is take that whole first episode of the old school Flash show and condense it into about a 10 to 15 minute segment of a movie. And there you have it. There you see how good old Barry Allen becomes the Flash. And I know that it's kind of the Man of Steel treatment, or the Batman Begins treatment, which I prefer to look at it as. But really, you spend too much time on Barry Allen's origins, and you risk the chance that people all over in so many different theaters are just gonna go right the fuck to sleep. So, <laughs> I think that showing him going to his laboratory, the laboratory that Barry works at, and then getting some sort of bridge from one to another is perfect. A perfect way to lead into the Flash. But then, <laughs> if you don't have him go there, or to Star Labs for whatever reason, you see him get thrown into Arkham. Yeah, yeah, we'll go with Arkham. And if he gets tossed into Arkham, well, actually... <laughs> <laughs> if you don't mind me saying so, that could be a perfect lead-up to the Victor Zaz movie that I tossed out there. 
because we could see Victor Zaz at the end and then at the beginning of the next Batman movie we get a little bit of the origin that I mentioned you know the whole playing poker with Penguin and killing a hobo and all that fun shit and <laughs> right then and there we got everything else I laid out in that other episode. So, easy peasy. We're made. And <laughs> it doesn't necessarily have to be Victor. But think about all the different people that have never had their chance on the big screen. That have spent their time in Arkham. You have people like the Calendar Man. And if you introduce him, a long Halloween is not far behind. But there are just so many that you could play with and introduce or reintroduce because if you don't listen to me and put this before the next Batman movie you could wait a good uh, you'd have to let the butt hurt of fanboys all over the world subside after you more than likely will end up fucking up Everything about the Justice League. And I already see that coming. Hell, I look back at what I did to the Justice League and realize that while not perfect, because it ultimately starts with a slightly too close to call plot twist that harkens back to the Avengers. It's not perfect, but it's probably a hell of a lot better than what you gave us, or depending on when you're listening to this, what you're gonna give us. But if you don't do this movie, which, I'm sorry, this way is the only fucking way that you can do this movie and do it right, because if you don't do something like this, where we actually, uh, by the end of it, have gotten to know the three sirens and give a shit about what happens to them, you may as well not do the movie. But if you don't do this, the only other way is wait a good 20 years or so. And at that point... Any of the damn casting that I've done goes right out the window. But at least, even if you wait that long, you have some kind of building blocks within this episode of uh, at least the feel of everything. You don't have very many specifics, but that's just because that, that's by design, okay? That, unlike some, and 
unlike many other comic book characters, is a little light on specifics. Because you really don't know much about Todd Russell. And that really works into our favor. Because I'm, I'm going to give you at least something to work with. But not much. Because this, this is where your work comes in. Because what I'm thinking is we don't go for one specific storyline. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, the Holly Robinson angle and the whole showdown between he and Selina happened in the comics, but fuck, with someone that gives you so much, you could really play with oh, not so much the sirens, but you could play so much with the other little factors. I mean, fuck. The, the GCPD. Toss Harvey Bullock out there again. <laughs> yeah, see, see what happens. Give him just, just a moment. Just, just one damn scene. A, a mention. A anything. You, you have countless mayors out there that you could throw a, a mention or a phone call to and not even show their face but even the mere uttering of their names well, some have insane implications <laughs> just like the end of the movie when if you did show his being tried and convicted Showing one good-looking, strong-jawed guy and calling him Harvey or show a conversation outside the courthouse with one guy calling the other Harv and the other guy calling the first one Bruce. You don't have to have anything more than that. But the implications are already there. And you could have so many other little Easter eggs that the fans would just be having to wipe themselves every 15 minutes. And then waddling back to the, their seats as they pull their pants back up and hope to God that they didn't miss anything. But as far as the overall plot, yeah, there's a killer on the loose. Uh, you, you show why he kills and make him sympathetic in that way. Give him that backstory with being experimented on, even though it was by choice. And, you know, you, you could mess with that and somehow make it that he was duped. Why not? Make make uh, the audience feel for him. Make him a, a sympathetic character, rather than just a, a big old ugly rage monster. And then you could lead into the movie and show 
the three gals who, if you're in the seats in that theater, chances are you already know, then have at least a, a few face-to-face -face scenes with maybe Alfred or uh, Nightwing. And I don't know, that, that could be another little way about it. Give him a scene with Nightwing. And that then lead into a Nightwing movie. But, you know, it's little moments like this that as long as you follow the same feel and the, the same formula that I kind of laid out as far as the, the two examples of Along Came a Spider, and not just the movie. You could go into James Patterson books and kind of pick and choose the feel of the moment, depending on the book and depending on the scene, and go with something like that. And there you go. But other than you know, when they're hunting him to give that plot just a little bit more depth because trying to find him and trying to hunt him down but always being one step behind is gonna get old after a second. Go go into any of the comics that include any of these three women and find ways to intertwine them. Not, not just your everyday storylines, though. Only pick storylines that could really touch on them personally and keep them interesting. And you take a storyline from here that covers Catwoman and a storyline from there that centers around Ivy and a little moment here that really makes you even feel for the nutty nutty nut bar that is Harley. Because if, if you do that for those, those three women, um, by association, you also do that for, even if you just make mention at the end in one damn scene of Harvey. You already feel for him because <laughs> you know what's coming for him. But if you intertwine and sew together any number of different storylines that really get to the heart of these women and toss it around like a salad, Mix it all in with a, a good old murder mystery. Hell, keep it fast-paced when uh, there's action. And you're golden. Y you have a story that allows you to play with it. You have an interesting villain that makes you sort of feel for him. You have a group of prime-fighting heroes that 
depending on where you pick and choose your source material, could really make you give a shit about them. And not just give a shit, but truly fucking care. And when it comes to comic book movies, you always kind of give a shit. But caring sometimes can be kind of scarce. And you do that and throw in the Easter egg moments and pick and choose where you want to go next and that'll give you the option that you're going to choose for the ending out of those that I kind of laid out. And I'm not saying that it's going to be as good as Victor. And I'm not saying that it's going to be an award winner. But it'll be, at least, at the very least, a damned fun movie. And if you go with the whole tie-in to the Victor movie that we laid out, altogether, it'll be the new hope and Empire Strikes Back of the comic book movie world. Even though, uh, now that Star Wars is owned by Disney, and they own Marvel, New Hope and Empire are actually the New Hope, and so on, of the comic book movie world. But, whatever. Because, if you look at New Hope, it's a fun ride. I don't know, in in hindsight, if I would go back and say, yeah, that, that's a good movie. But then, when you realize that it helps you to crash land on Hoth at the beginning of the next movie, it, it all of a sudden becomes a, a great film somehow at least in the minds and the hearts of countless fans. And, let's face it, a comic book movie, you're going to have to work damn hard to make it a great movie in everybody's mind. So, I, I say we stick, at least with this one, for trying to make it a fun ride that will lead into something bigger. And hopefully, given time, somewhere in the future, fans will look back, as I do on Star Wars, the original trilogy, and they'll look back at this movie and the follow-up, whether it's Zazz or whatever you choose and go, God, that was a good couple of movies. They, they might not look at one or the other individually and go, Shit, that was a good movie. But they'll look at both of them together, and at least once in their life, mutter the words, Fuck, that was great. And if I have my way, and have my hand in 
being able to help you get to a point where your children's children's children can look at the kind of movies that we loved and and say, holy crap, that's great. Well, I've done my job because some of these characters and story arcs are just stinkers. And if they're not done in a certain way, uh, it could just be disaster. Not just for the movie, though. But if it's bad enough, it could be a complete fuck-up for the whole genre. And I know that I like picking and choosing and nitpicking and tearing apart uh, certain movies, but the fact that the genre as a whole is really at its peak when it comes to the amount of comic book movies that we've gotten in the last, uh, I'd say, increasingly over the last 20 years, it, it, it sort of gained speed and steam throughout that time. I think that, frankly, if I can get them to look back at right now and go, well, they had some dark times, but look at these few flicks. That shit was good. I'll be okay with that. So, yeah. There you have the good, the bad, and the fugly with the Gotham City Sirens and Clayface, Todd Russell. One of my absolute favorite comic book characters. And not just villains, but characters as a whole. (laughs) And... I know that it wasn't as specific as some of the other times that I've tossed one of these out there, but I ain't doing all the work when every character that you could choose to include in such a movie is opening up a door that is almost literally drenched in DC lore. So, I I want you to tweet me and go to my Facebook page at the Fickle Fanboy Podcast page or even on Instagram at at the Fickle Fanboy Podcast or on Twitter, as I'm sure you know, and at the Fickle Fanboy RPM. Find me, and, you know, I I throw this out there for, well, yeah, for the future and for what these movies could be, but I I do this whole damn show. Okay, mainly because I'm bored, but for for you. And I I think that the most, I mean, the, the least you can do is go ahead and 
find me and tweet me and uh, message me and do just about everything else you want to me. Well, okay, maybe, maybe not everything. And let's make this our movie. Because as, as I've said countless times, there are several spots that you could, unlike most movies, you could really play with and mold and mesh and <laughs> just kind of jumble around and still do it right. No matter what kind of options that you choose, as long as you're going with the right tone. And if we see Batman or the Batman symbol at the end, oh, <laughs> that's just icing on the cake. So, I, I think that if we came together as fans who ultimately love the franchise and the genre and the characters, we could really make this even better than what I've laid out. But I can't do it alone, and neither can you. So, yeah, find me and let's get to getting. Okay? That's my own personal challenge to you. So, let's see what you got. Until I hear from you, uh, remember, this has been a Fat Moles Radio production. To hear more shows like this, go to soundcloud.com slash Radio. And with that, I'll be seeing you.